Welcome to the Soul Food Sneakers Podcast. I am your host, and in today's episode, we are talking about the stories that sneakers tell, and this is part one. Now, every sneaker tells three stories right off the bat. The first story is the story of that sneaker's birth, how it came to be, who was involved, and why. The second story is the reason for that sneaker's birth. What is the story behind the design, the colorway, or the athlete attached? And the third and most important story a sneaker tells is the one that starts the moment you put those sneakers on your feet. From the first step to the last, the shoes you wear are a record of where you've been, what you've done, and even who you are as a person. We're going to explore these three paths of the story of a sneaker and highlight some sneakers that tell the best stories from their colors to their materials to the boxes they come in and even the extra goodies they come with. And we're going to start in Atlanta, Georgia, in a shop that sells kicks and high fashion, but also a shop that makes kicks and high fashion and makes kicks with incredible stories behind them. This shop at 969 Marietta Street, with a name that means my way in English, is so good at what they do that they've been granted access to models in the Jordan archives that even the man's son has not been granted. Amma Meniere has put their narrative spin on a Jordan 1, a Jordan 2, a Jordan 3, a Jordan 4, two Jordan 5s, two Jordan 12s, as well as a couple of Air Force 1s and a couple of airships. The model Jordan wore before his first Air Jordan was ready for the court. They've even done stuff with Adidas and Diadora over the years. But they've been most celebrated for their Jordan collection, the immaculate Jordan 3 in particular. The one they did in 2021, which ended up a near-unanimous sneaker of the year that year by every sneaker publication worth reading. On that sneaker, Amamanier founder James Whitner created a sneaker that pays tribute to his mother, her struggles, her sacrifices in raising Whitner and his siblings. But more than that, the sneaker pays tribute to women in general and to black women even more specifically. The sneaker is called the Amamanier Jordan 3 Raised by Women. And the silhouette itself is significant as the Jordan 3 was the first sneaker Whitner remembers his mother buying for him when he was a child. It dropped as a women's only release and featured luxury touches like soft suede in place of the 3's famous elephant print, super soft leather uppers, satin sock liners, aged midsoles, and heel tabs with Nike, Jordan, and Amamanier co-branding throughout. This aesthetic is in line with Amamanier's shop, which carries luxury street culture goods from around the world, but also with how Whitner sees black women and the obstacles they must overcome to make a life for themselves and their children in a world that is systematically programmed to keep them down. Quality on another level. And he has carried that ideal and expectation for quality throughout all of Amamanier's collaborations, as well as that same depth of and importance in storytelling. The theme of their Jordan 1 is the rose that grew from concrete, with the sneakers soft burgundy hits surrounded by cracked white leather and stands as a symbol of black resilience in America. Their wine-colored Jordan 4 is a tribute to black youth, their set of Jordan 12s a tribute to black women who use their voices to enact change, and the Jordan 2 a tribute to black men and women's airness, their ability to rise above in the face of discrimination and shine. 
Similar themes across all of these shoes, similar stories being told with each release accompanied by Oscar-worthy black-and-white short films that tell the story of the sneaker. Films which you can find on YouTube under Amamanier's account page. But James Whitner's sneaker storytelling would not be complete without talking about social status. Whitner's other street fashion sneaker boutique with a handful of collaborations, mostly with Nike, that tell stories of and for the youth. Sneakers like their Nike Dunks, which are called the Free Lunch, come in both chocolate and strawberry milk colorways and pay tribute to that oh-so-important decision kids must make in the lunch line at school. Will it be a strawberry or chocolate milk today? It's a cute concept. They are cute sneakers with great materials and packaging, and the fact that this story is told on a dunk, a silhouette with a long history in sneaker storytelling, is perfect. The Nike Dunk is, in fact, arguably the most significant silhouette in sneaker history in terms of how it's been used to tell stories. All the way back in 1985, Nike released a modified version of the Air Jordan 1 called the Nike Dunk in seven two-tone colorways, eight if you include the Nike Terminator they did in navy and gray for Georgetown University, which they called the Be True to Your School pack. The shoes were basic, just two school colors on each with each representing the selected university. But for 1985, they were unique and colorful. But they didn't tell much of a story, unless you wanted to go digging into the different schools' histories to see why each was represented by the colors they were. In 2002, the Nike Dunk was upgraded with new tech, new materials, and a new purpose as it became the Nike SB Dunk, SB for skateboarding, or perhaps also for Sandy Bodecker, the architect and father of the new millennium era of Nike skateboarding. Unlike the original Dunk, a mid-cut basketball shoe, the SB Dunk was low-cut and was outfitted with features that lent themselves to skateboarding rather than b-ball. Features such as a padded tongue and collar and a zoom air unit under the insole. The Dunk also had a skate team behind it. And those first few SB Dunks from team riders Danny Supra, Gino Iannucci, Richard Mulder, and Reese Forbes weren't much more complex than the original Be True to Your School Dunks, but they laid a foundation upon which thousands of dunks with unique and often deep and complex storytelling would be built. Dunks like the City Pack, a group of four SBs that pay tribute to London, Tokyo, Paris, and New York. The London Dunk told the story of London by covering the shoe in shades of grey, representing the grey skies and concrete jungle that is the city. It also embroidered a thick blue line onto the sides of the shoes, for the famous River Thames. The Tokyo Dunk stripped everything away, presented an all-white canvas upper with absolutely no branding other than the swoosh on the side to be found. The idea behind that was that you should come to Tokyo as a blank canvas and let the city imprint itself upon you. The Paris Dunk told the story of Paris's rich history of art and artists through French painter Bernard Buffet by covering parts of the sneaker in his colorful abstract art and offsetting that with tan suede and a red swoosh. And the New York City Dunk, the most famous of the four, and now more famously known as the Pigeon Dunk, is just that, a shoe that is dressed in the colors of a pigeon, New York's most ubiquitous flying pest, with a pigeon stitched into the heels. Amazingly, the colors of a pigeon transferred to a skateboarding shoe ended up creating an obsession, and the most famous story of the Pigeon Dunk became the release of the Dunk itself. 
There were only 200 of each of these city dunks released to the public at events or spots in each of the cities they represented. For the pigeon, the spot was 151 Orchard Street, also known at that time as Reed Space, pigeon dunk designer Jeff Staples' storefront for his staple brand. The site of the infamous sneaker frenzy, which made the front page of the New York Post after thousands of people gathered outside the store, some camping out for days for a crack at the painfully rare shoes, only 30 of which were being released at Reed Space. A riot broke out when the store tried to hand out vouchers for the shoes to 30 of the people who were crowding the front of the store. Eventually, the NYPD got involved, and while the shoes did eventually get sold, in some cases, the people who bought a pair had to be escorted to cabs to get the hell out of there before disgruntled L-takers robbed them for the sneakers, which today, if the shoes are still in brand new condition, can easily go for a cool 30 grand or more. The Pigeon Dunk fiasco has made that particular shoe the most well-known in SB Dunk history, but that shoe was released in 2005 when Nike SB Dunks were still in their infancy. Dunks have told many stories over the years and pay tribute to many inspirations from beer with the green and white and red Heineken Dunks and the brown and yellow Newcastle Dunks to ice cream with the white, pink and brown Neapolitan Stussy Cherry Dunks and the more recent Ben and Jerry's Chunky Dunkies to the Simpsons with the white blue and yellow homer dunks to high-end fashion and jewelry with the turquoise tiffany dunks with their shiny silver swoosh and croc print uppers none of these are official collabs by the way except for the ben and jerry's which makes one of the most amazing things about the nike sb line the fact that they haven't been sued a hundred times they almost were in fact when they teased the release of a freddy krueger dunk a shoe with blood splattered uppers and panels of freddy's trademark green and red striped sweater there were samples made of these shoes but a wide release was scrapped after nike was threatened with a lawsuit for copyright infringement ironic considering how much time nike spends every year threatening and suing other companies for copyright infringement made upon their products Truly, I could go on and on about the Nike Dunk and all of its many unique shoes with the many stories attached to each, but then this episode would be several hours long. One easy way to get an idea of how varied and dense the stories told by Nike SB Dunks were in the shoe's first five years is to check out the What the Dunk, released in 2007 and featuring a mashup of the best of the, that the brand had to offer up to that point. On those shoes, you'll find the famous pigeon on the heel, elephant print on the mudguard, supreme stars on the side panels, a silver Tiffany swoosh on one shoe and a gold swoosh on the other, tie-dye panels, ray gun characters, and on and on and on. The SB team's most famous rider, Paul Rodriguez, who became the face of the brand in 2005 and was signed to a fat payday to skate for the brand and wear all of its stuff, has had more signature dunks than anyone over the years. 10 to be exact, and did his own What the Paul Dunk in 2021, which featured elements from all 10 sneakers. Another SB Dunk that was given the What the Treatment in 2015 was the high cut What the Dornbecker, a very fun and very funky sneaker that you will never own and likely never even see a pair of in real life, as there were only 11 of them made, paying tribute to the 11 SB Dunks that the kids at the Dornbecker Children's Hospital designed over the years. Nike's Dornbecker program goes back to 2004 
when Michael Doherty, an executive at Nike and a board member at the hospital, had the brilliant idea of combining the two and created a way for sick kids to to design their own shoes, with the proceeds of the shoes going back into the hospital. Since then, some of Nike and Jordan brand's most popular and coveted releases have been the Dornbecker releases, and these releases, created by kids who use the shoes to tell their stories, are the most meaningful examples of sneaker expression money can buy. Of these, arguably the most popular was the Dornbecker Jordan 4 that was released in November 2011. Designed by Isaiah Scott, who was diagnosed with leukemia at the age of 10, the black, blue, and neon green shoes featured a Superman logo on the tongue, a reference to Isaiah's mom calling him Superman thanks to how strong he was throughout the diagnosis and treatment. The shoe also features arrows on the upper, some pointing up, some pointing down, in reference to how life is filled with ups and downs, good times and bad. It even features Isaiah's head etched into the heel. It's a fun funky shoe filled with heartwarming storytelling from a young boy who shouldn't have had to worry about fighting for his life at such a young age, who should have been outside having fun and playing ball. But that's the point of the Dornbecker program. Kids in life-threatening situations getting to design sneakers for Nike and Michael Jordan and sell them to make money to help the hospital help other kids in similar situations. Every one of the Dornbecker sneakers tells a story that is unique to the child creating it. And by the way, Isaiah did beat his cancer and is alive and well, making that Superman logo on the tongue that much more meaningful and moving. People using sneakers to tell stories from their life is not uncommon. Many, if not most, collaborations have some sort of biographical theme built in, whether by trials, triumphs, or nostalgia. Even Michael Jordan himself has used his line of sneakers to tell the story of his life and career on several occasions, In 2015, Nike and Jordan released the Jordan 4 Laser for the 30th anniversary of the Air Jordan line. The all-white uppers of the shoe are covered in graffiti-style laser etchings of some of MJ's accomplishments and things that have meant a lot to him over the years. In 2019, they released a black version of the same shoe. This idea was actually borrowed from the Air Jordan 20, which initially released in 2005 and featured a midfoot strap with laser etchings all over it, that told the story of MJ's life and career. But even before all of that, in 1994, when Jordan was retired from the league and playing baseball in Alabama, the Air Jordan 10 was released and told the story of the first 10 years of Jordan's career by displaying the achievements on the outsole. In a famous NBA TV moment from that year, a moment Jordan later said helped him decide to return to the league, Scottie Pippen pointed to the bottom of the shoe during a Bulls game and beckoned to Jordan via the TV camera to come back and play ball again. But if Jordan himself is the person best equipped to tell the story of his life and career through his sneakers, and he is, his son, Marcus Jordan, isn't a bad runner-up. Marcus is the owner of Trophy Room, a sneaker boutique in Orlando, Florida, that exists to pay tribute to Marcus's father's legacy as a ball player and sneaker icon. Obviously, having access to the man, his history, and his sneaker closet at home gives Marcus a leg up in terms of owning and operating a boutique that acts as a tribute to him. But Marcus has put his stamp on the sneaker industry and carved out a legitimate spot for himself as a designer and collaborator that can't simply be waved off by accusations of nepotism. Trophy Room has gotten a crack at six different Jordan models, the 1, 5, 16, 17, and 23, and each tell a story from Jordan's career. 
The most recent, an Air Jordan 7 called The New Sheriff in Town, tells the story of the Dream Team. The 1992 men's Olympic basketball squad that is to this day considered the greatest professional sports team ever assembled. The quote, New Sheriff in Town, came from Michael Jordan himself during a scrimmage the Dream Team had before they embarked on their historic Olympic run. On one team was Magic Johnson representing the old guard of the NBA, on the other, MJ representing the new guard. Magic and Michael were trash-talking each other throughout the scrimmage, and at one point Jordan declared, there's a new sheriff in town. Magic was not amused. The shoe that Trophy Room created told this story and the story of that famous run by covering the sneaker in dozens of little details, like a gold number 9 on the heel, Jordan's Dream Team jersey number, an Olympic-striped heel pull tab, insoles that say the greatest game ever played, Monte Carlo, which is where the scrimmage took place, and the date that the scrimmage took place sewn into the sock liner. Even the shoebox interior is made to look like the basketball court where the game took place. This is the sort of attention to detail that Trophy Room has become known for. Their previous Jordan release, the infamous Jordan 1 Chicago they did, known as the Freeze Out, told the story of Jordan's first game as an all-star during his rookie season. The story goes that several of Jordan's all-star teammates froze him out of the game by purposely not passing him the ball or involving him in plays, a ploy that resulted in Jordan scoring a paltry seven points during a season when Jordan averaged 28 points per game. Isaiah Thomas, one of the apparent architects of the freeze-out, has vehemently denied that this ever happened, but Jordan thinks it did and has held that grudge against Thomas ever since. MJ is a man who takes things personally, in case you didn't know. Anyway, the Jordan Trophy Room freezeouts are a testament to that incident. They are a Jordan 1 red, white, and black Chicago colorway with the red panels covered in a shiny, sparkly overlay which makes the shoes look like they are frosted with ice. On the outsole of the shoe are four stars representing the All-Star game. Inside the collar of the shoe and on the extra blue laces that come with it are the words, Rumor Has It, making reference to the fact that no one knows if this freezeout actually happened or not. And inside the blue Nike box they come in is a faux All-Star Game ticket with Trophy Room and Air Jordan branding and an explanation of the freeze-out game on the back of the ticket, with a declaration that even after Marcus Jordan asked his father about the incident, Trophy Room can neither confirm or deny its historical validity. The Air Jordan 1 has been a ripe canvas on which many collaborators have told their stories. One such woman who used the shoes to encourage people to believe themselves is Melody Isani. Isani is a true do-it-yourself success story. She made a name for herself by creating her own jewelry, jewelry that was affordable and stylish. Her goods caught the eye of Erica Badu, which then caught the eye of Reebok, who signed her to, a, to the brand to create shoes and clothing for them soon after. After a successful run with that brand, her contract came to an end and she was free to take her talents elsewhere, which eventually found her at Nike, where in 2019 she created the Air Jordan 1 Mid-Fearless, a multicolored love letter to Julie Burns Walker, whose quotes cover the shoes inside and out and tell the story that Walker has been telling throughout her professional life, which is that you are unique, special, spiritual, and worthy. Of course, these shoes are a woman's only release by women for women, and that makes that, that message that much more important. Another woman who has made waves in the industry telling autobiographical stories through her sneaker collaborations, her six Air Jordan collabs in particular, is fashion designer, blogger, and influencer Aliyah Lee May. 
May's first Jordan collab was on the Air Jordan 1, a special shadow colorway that told the story of her father. Materials on the sneaker included black cord uppers, just like the black cord slippers her dad used to wear, a satin silver swoosh, just like the satin starter jacket that he used to wear, and the colorway itself is a take on the famous Jordan 1 Shadow, an original 1985 colorway of the shoe that is her father's favorite. She also did a Jordan 4 in 2022 to honor her dad's military service. Called the Veterans Day, the friends and family only sneaker, of which there are only 80, is dressed in sand-colored camo and features removable military-type tongue patches. In 2021, Ali Ali told the story of the first pieces of jewelry she ever received from her grandmothers in the form of bright green jade. And she did so by covering a pair of Air Jordan 14 lows in beige with gold and jade colored accents that made it look like the shoes were wrapped in jewelry. Of course, not all sneaker stories are so sweet. Some are just plain sad. In 2022, two years after her husband and daughter passed away, Vanessa Bryant designed a pair of Nike Kobe 6s to honor them on what would have been Gianna's 16th birthday. The sneakers, called the Kobe 6 Mambasita Sweet 16s, were in black and white, the colors of the Mamba Sports Academy, where Kobe was a coach and his daughter a player. They also feature Kobe and Gianna's names on the back and Gianna's player number two on the heel in gold. And the uppers are covered in faux snakeskin, a reference to Kobe's nickname, the Black Mamba. All of the proceeds of the shoes went to the Mamba and Mambasita Sports Foundation, whose logo is found on the back heels of the shoes. The stories I've told here today are a tiny drop in an ocean full of them. Because while some shoes are the colors they are for no other reason than that it looks cool, and some are covered in the materials they are because those materials are the most durable, most every other shoe has a story. Every color a purpose, every material choice a tribute. Even choosing one color of shoelace over another can be a story to tell. Designers, influencers, athletes, rock and movie stars, sports agents, at least one anyway, artists and boutiques. All of them have used the canvas of sneakers and sometimes the canvas on sneakers to tell their stories, speak their truths, or pay their tributes. On the next episode, we'll continue this exploration of sneaker storytelling by moving on from Nike and Jordan to brands like New Balance, Adidas, Converse, and Reebok, and see what stories those souls have told along the road. Thank you for hanging out. Please come back and join us again. Please take care of yourselves.